Welcome back to Full Metal RPG, episode number 85. I'm your host, Brendan Carrion, and today I am joined by the OG himself, Adam fucking Sink. What up? What up, Adam? How you What's been? What's happening, everybody? I have been well. I got all my like books out. I got my fucking Ooh. Dark Ages books out. Ooh. I've been going through those and Ooh, that's so putting awesome. some shit together. <laughs> Adam's it's got, going well. Adam's got this haircut. He's looking... It's looking very beautiful mm-hmm. the studio today. I went and got a haircut. Looking, by, by, I think like three times a year I go get a haircut. This, this yeah? 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 Uh, I get them all cut. Oh, oh that joke. Anyway. Oh, God uh, help ooh. us all. And uh, we got RBK, Richie Buzzkill. What up, Richie? Not much, man. Just uh, here at the Chateau de Buzzkill. Chateau de Buzzkill. So the, any echo you hear is from the vast caverns of the Chateau de Buzzkill. Yeah, it's, so, the, like, it's the, all the square footage. And... Um, Richie's holding it down. He's got the mics. He's got the mics. He's got the levels. Yeah. Uh, Richard. Richard's been doing the the production work, and uh, I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Very happy with the sound. Uh, and then today we are joined by a very special guest, a friend of ours from uh, the the Rest in Peace belated podcast. We're we're sad it's gone, but we love it nonetheless. Dara, what up? What's up? Welcome, welcome. You've been on the show. Yeah. I have you? been I have been a few times You've been on the show a few for times. various things that I do. Yeah. And so. we love we love podcast the reckoning, but uh no, we don't do podcast reckoning anymore, so it's still up. You can still listen to it. You can still listen to the old Go back yeah. and listen to classic episodes. Classic episodes. Yeah. Yeah, like the one where they uh say meh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which one would that be? Huh? Which one is that? You know what? I'll just, let you just, find just it. Just I'll roll let, it. I'll roll and die. Scour, I'll let you scour those. the catalog and just and just find them. All right. Find them. But uh, you know that you. I'll I'll, I'll kidding aside. That's uh the a kind of world darkness related podcast that uh kind of branched out into some more games and has our good friends on it. Uh, Josh and Adam and Daryl. Daryl's yeah, on yep. it quite a bit. Yep. So uh, you should totally totally check it out and get some uh, hot takes. So, uh, how's everybody doing? Everybody, everybody is well at the table? Yeah, great. Fantastic. It's good to see you guys all here again. And um, we're kind of trying some new stuff today. We're, uh, you know, the, the ever-evolving Full Metal RPG experience it remains ever-evolving. And uh, so today we're kind of doing something that's a little bit more kind of what you might consider to be like a little bit back to basics, but with some more structure because you know brendan likes to shoot from the hip and do it all just off the top of his head but today we're gonna actually try and make this thing make sense so um we're gonna have some laser focus targeting lights drawing us into where we're supposed to go no stay on target we're not going that far we're not going all right there's gonna be no predator type are there like lanes do we at least have lanes uh, if it bleeds we can kill it I think it's more like an arena Mm, all right arena yeah Uh. We're, we're all in one arena at least yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, great. Gore chosen. <laughs> oh, joke. <Yeah>, all right. <laughs> all right, so we promised there'll be some role-playing talk at some point in the game, in this game, in this uh, podcast. All right, so uh, before we go any further, we'd just like to say this episode of Full Metal RPG is sponsored by our latest patron, William Cuthbertson. What a motherfucker. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for your patronage, William. You can find William on Instagram with his excellent miniatures feed, Adequate Miniatures. That's okay, okay. I'm sorry, sorry, kids. At Adequate Miniatures. Uh, he's a longtime friend of the show, and we're happy to have him on board. In the meantime, many thanks go out to all our other patrons who make Full Metal RPG possible as well. For as little as $1 a month, you can help grow the podcast you hate to love. If you would buy us a drink, please consider supporting us on Patreon. And buy us a drink. Well, I mean, yeah, when you see us at a con, you definitely still have to buy us a drink. I right. mean, that's just, I mean, what but, can I say? But you need to supply your drunk uncles with uh, the appropriate amount of beverage right. every day. Right. We don't like, we don't endorse <laughs> alcoholism on this show. We just uh, suffer from it. Much. <laughs> yeah, <we> just... <laughs> so, uh, that having been said, let's get into a new segment that we're doing. It's called The Black Hole. The black hole into which all of our time, money, and energy escapes. The hobby. Hobby of role-playing. So, so gentlemen, um, just each, we're just going to go around the table. We'll just do a little, a little quick little chit-chat. What is it that's uh, really driving you? What's, what's, uh, what RPG shit is lighting you up? Adam. Adam. Compadre. Lay it on me, String Bean. Dark Ages Vampire, man. Getting ready to run that. Awesome. We'll have that coming up. We'll have some more news, I think, about that coming up shortly. With, Ooh, good. With, like, the whole awesome. Patreon and all that stuff. But, like, I'll be running that on Roll20, so there will be an online game. And uh, you know, Do they have, like, uh, sick-ass, like, uh, character sheets for that and shit? Like, uh, special ones? And, I mean, every time I go, every time I see somebody talking about Roll20, it's always like, we got special character sheets, we got special dice and all this shit. I, but, you know, I, when you're doing... If they want that, they can have it. I, I'm just going to keep it basics. I'm just going to assume everybody is being honest about their roles and everybody's being honest about their character sheet. If you want to cheat at a role-playing game, and especially you want to cheat at, like, Vampire of the Dark Ages, be my guest. Cheat at the game. <laughs> <laughs> You're only cheating yourself and me as the as the storyteller. That but really actually kind of rolls into what we're going to talk about it later It really on, does. As the meat of the episode because uh, your friend and mine uh, uh, Jeff Jeff the, the homie loves homie loves his his, his uh, auspicious die rolls right? And um, and uh, the, that always ends up having an effect on the game right? It so, does. So I mean it, it does but <clears throat> when I run Shadowrun online I always just say roll your fucking dice I don't care I don't right. use a die roller. You have to you have to know and trust your players. And if they give you a reason not to trust them, that's one thing. We'll get into that later. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk yeah. about it later. I love you. I love you, Jeff. Don't think I don't love you, you hot rolling, ten rolling bastard. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, RBK? What you got, man? Uh, I was like kind of almost completely out of Kickstarters I had backed. Like I was, <laughs> I, I was out and then it just pulled me back in as the bad quote of the movie bad quotes day. Uh, I don't know if that was English. How is that a bad movie quote? Because I didn't do the voice. Oh, you so, didn't so, do the so voice. Ask, no what voice? movie oh, is no. that even from? No, I'm not, it's I, I, it's Go, Godfather, Godfather 2. It is. Godfather oh, Godfather 2. 2. That's no, Godfather why. 2. I've never seen yeah. 2. Godfather, Godfather 2. 2. I've seen yeah. 1 and 3. I've never gone back and watched 2. <laughs> 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 I have questions about that, but we'll do that on the movie podcast. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, 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 Chris the Mighty on the Discord popped up Kishu. Uh, the it's it's inspired by Akira, which all right, check box one. Oh shit! It's uh, also then uh, Blades in the Dark based. Check box two. Check box three. It's Zine Quest month, so it's a Zine Quest. So it's like ten dollars for the hard copy. Wow! So like three check boxes, and I was like, okay, well, 
here's some money. So and you didn't yeah. drop anything in the channel yeah. about it. Uh, I didn't put it into the our our roundtable, but if right. we were t- looking at our Discord, we were talking. Oh, okay. About Discord, it didn't so. close yet, right? No, it's still got uh, nine days to go. Okay. So, like, by, the time, so by the time you're hearing this at home, uh, you'll still have a chance to listen. Yeah. To, to, to listen to pledge for that because uh, this will be out in a couple of days. Yeah, I had to mute Discord because my kid uses my Discord, so I just get like no, notifications no. all you damn need, day. You need so. another Discord. I do need another. Well, he needs his own Discord. Right. Hey, Daryl. <laughs> Yo, what's going into the black hole, son? Oh man, I am having a lot of fun right now with Beyond the Wall. That's that's right, right? That's yep, yep, that's I finally right. got it right. <laughs> got it I right. keep mixing <laughs> up Beyond the Wall with Over the Garden Wall, uh, the fantastic cartoon series. But cartoon, Beyond the Wall yeah. is is a, a fun RPG that uh, my buddy William actually Willie William B is yeah Willie yeah. B's running. Oh, so he's running oh, it for so us uh, for Monday, Mi- Monday Night Monsters. Yeah. Mm. What? Yep. What? He has. You fucking serious? He drives all the way out to like Chandler or whatever to do that. Yeah. Mesa, yeah. He, yeah. he comes out and uh, son of a, that's he's son joined of... up with us for for some cool monstrous action and so uh, yeah. I never see that guy anymore. It's a lot of fun. Uh, cool system. It's fantasy based, uh, rules light ish, but it's got fun tables to roll on, which is kind of a jam. Oh right, I think he ran that at the Friday Night Club once, and it's kind of like an OSR kind of thing. It feels OSR, but it's still pretty narrative as well. It's a good like match of the two. It's it's appealing yeah. to me, which means it can't be too terribly OSR. So interesting, interesting, interesting. We should unpack that statement sometime. That's interesting. That's interesting insight. Cool. But yeah, that's uh, that and prepping a Changeling game for Arizona Change- Game Fair. Changeling, Changeling. Dreaming or Lost? Yeah. Lost. 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 That's, a, bra- that's yeah. a great game. I love that game. It is. Yeah. Uh, I, had a, I had a lot of struggle with it, uh, trying to figure out how it met the horror genre, but I have a good player who's uh, kind of helped me catch up to it and give me some good ideas, so... My, I like to think of it as abuse victim, the therapy-ing, because <laughs> you very much are kind of like a like a victim of some very horrible abuse in that game and it is kind of trying to come to terms with that and deal with your own trauma. So so when I was walked through it the first game the first game I played of it we were dealing with the trauma aspect of it. Uh, I'm going to walk it backwards and take it to the uh, traumatizing aspect of it and walk the players through you are just now beginning to realize you're being messed with and that things aren't right. So mm. I'm, I'm, it's going to be an interesting thing to pull off. I want the players to start with no idea that they're changelings and then work slowly into figuring out what the hell's going on. Interesting. How do you uh, hope to accomplish that? Handing them mortal character sheets to start with. And then as they make <gasps> contracts, they're, they're in Arcadia. So things that they say, I wish oh. I had uh, a lighter. Well, about that. <laughs> mm, interesting, interesting. And slowly they'll just kind of realize they're making compacts without really realizing that that's what they're doing. Hmm. So, and being a convention game, I'll either get a whole bunch of people who look at the name Changeling and go, oh, that's the game I want to play, or I'll get a whole bunch of people who have no idea what it is, and either way, it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Nice. And that's going to be at Arizona Game Fair, right? Yep. Hey, Mr. Bill's Kill, you want to mention something about Arizona Game Fair just real uh, quick? March 20th through the 22nd, uh, Arizona, uh, Mesa, Arizona, uh, Mesa, Arizona Convention Center, we've got... Uh, through all the buildings of the Mesa Arizona Convention Center. So you show up to one, you showed up to Arizona Game Fair. Uh, we're going to be running stuff. Daryl definitely has run stuff. 
Brendan's going to be uh, giving me some stuff. Adam, <laughs> just give me this look like it ain't going to Because we're supposed to submit and we haven't done it. I was yeah, about to say, they need games, so go yeah. submit games. You know, and I was going to look at everyone else suspiciously. But my, I also have not submitted, but I do have some games <laughs> that I do want to run. And I will be submitting them. Yeah, My, we, my, my we shit's all... on the way. It's just complicated, bro. You got, I, don't, I, don't like, I, don't like, I don't like forms, bro. I don't like filling out forms. God damn it. Uh, but... Yeah. Uh, but we you always cop. You some kind of cop with no. forms? No, He's we, a we kill. always buzzkill. Yeah, Ooh, snapzor. We we always worry about getting enough role playing games, but they all get turned in in the last day and a half. So the procrastination is strong with the RPG community. So they always show yeah. up. We got like yeah. we got twenty tables of independent RPGs, and we got like ten tables of Air Adventures League. Uh, we got you know. I even allowed a space for LARP if you wanted to bring such a thing. Like, bring it. Like, you know. know. I'm just uh, very disappointed that the Western Cowboy Convention isn't going to be happening at the same time. I I can't can't wander over and get some spurs. That was weird. Or the wood carving convention. Right. It was was one-stop shopping for me when both of them were in the same space, (laughs) and now it's not. You had to get your chaps and then wear them while you're running. Oh, I have enough chaps. We all know that. Well, uh, I guess, I guess when since it's back to me, I'll say uh, I got some good news from uh, Mark Diaz Truman in the last couple weeks, and it looks like uh, our timeline to see the Ashcan of Ravenous published this year is beginning to firm up. I mean, I, I, at this point, I've spent enough time in the uh, old, you know, RPG publishing community to realize that schedules are schedules and i mean they're kind of they're more like wishes than like <laughs> actual things but um the the goal is that it's going to be at gen con this year and we have a timeline for that and uh we're actualizing the timeline and uh they went so far as to submit eight lines of ravenous for play at gen con so wow. if you're at gen con this year you want to Play Ravenous, you can go to the uh, Magpie Room, and there will be eight different games spread out over that four days that you can go ahead and give it a try. Um, and then, and I, I mean, I don't know if I should put this on here, but you know, no one's listening, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, it's my understanding that if you play in one of those games, you'll get a copy of the Ashcan nice. at that time. So if you want a copy of the Ravenous Ashcan, as soon as it releases, you want to play it, that will be when it's available at Gen Con. So, um, nice. yeah, very exciting. These are high times. Uh, I mean, I don't, I kind of don't really know what to do with myself when uh, Mark wrote me and was like, yeah, so uh, I need you to write up a blurb about uh, Ravenous. He goes, I think I could do it myself, but I just kind of want to hear what you have to say. Uh, we got like eight lines at Gen Con. I, uh, I just, I, I literally was nauseous. I like wanted to puke. It was like super weird. <laughs> the, the idea that like, that there'd be like, hundreds of miles away there'd be like a room full of people playing my game and that i wouldn't be like it i wouldn't have to like stand over their shoulder and tell them how it works it's just gonna it's gonna be at that moment where it like takes on life of its own and it like moves out of my house and it's off living and there's gonna be people on forums writing about like their problematic characters and saying that it's somehow true to the game <laughs> and I'm be pulling out my hair and weeping it's mm. all it's all coming together guys it's all coming together it's gonna happen the life of a writer. Yeah, Fantastic. yeah, yeah. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Um, so you know that's been kind of that's been that's been kind of filling me up with energy, and then um, uh, so you know, and I've got a couple other projects. They're kind of on the uh, the various burners. I'm kind of moving around. So um, I'm very, I'm, you know, 
uh, I'm starting to feel like, uh, especially with kind of this shift that we're doing in Full Metal RPG, I'm kind of feeling like I'm, I'm getting a little bit back to my roots here, you know? Like, about what I kind of wanted to do with RPGs when we started the podcast and kind of, like, where I was at. Like, late 2018 through 2019 was kind of like a little odyssey. I feel like maybe I got, like, a little bit off track. Like, I don't... Like, I... It's kind of like if, if if somebody like invites you to a three way or something, you think that you have these opinions about it. You're like, oh, I think I know how I'll feel, but you don't really know how you feel. Like maybe maybe it happens and then it's over and you feel good about it, but maybe you feel bad about it. You know, this is literally the worst analogy I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. By the way, just I want to like shine I, a spotlight <laughs> on how, who here has what? ever been invited to a three way. Just show of hands. All right, one of us. We're not going to call out who it was. One of us. Hey. So, all right. That's yeah. never so... Ah, man, man. I'm just saying... I, that the travails of being I'm just, ugly. I I'm don't know. I'm just saying that you might have mixed feelings about it. Like, sometimes, it's like kind of like you just don't always know. I kind of feel like it'd just be an honor to be nominated. You might think... You see, you think that. But like you, don't, Oscars? you don't know. You don't know how you'd feel. Anyway, so that's what the kind of RPG industry has been for me for the past, like, say, 12 months, 16 months. It's been kind of like... Getting a wish fulfilled and then realizing I didn't want that wish fulfilled. <laughs> well, that's know? like every wish. That's that's yeah, like, like the whole oh, thing. Oh, oh, I think I actually had it right the first time. So. Well, if the problematic character things ever bums you out and bogs you down, just let me know and I'll fast track CNC second edition and then you will have yeah, well, no why, problem. Why don't you just fast track it anyway? I should. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. For real. Yeah, why, what are you waiting for? What are you sitting I, on? You. I, all... I just look at it and I'm like, this game should not exist. It's oh, kind of oh, the. Okay. Well, that. And, yeah. Anytime you but think a game shouldn't you? exist, remember they published Fatal. It's I mean, true. Yeah. I don't know. It, at least you Touché. have a commentation comment on society as opposed to yeah, which just, is just being horrible. Yes. Yeah. It's fair. I fair mean, point. It's both, but you can still, you know. <laughs> well, that was our first episode of The Black Hole, everybody. The, and thanks the, for getting that the, song stuck in my great, head for the rest of the, the week. The huge vortex into which all time and energy escapes. Density so great that it crushes everything in its path, even light. Just like role-playing. All right, so <laughs> um, real quick, just wanted to say... Full Metal RPG continues to be supported by Exalted Funeral. Stop by our friends at ExaltedFuneral.com and get the very best in underground role-playing in Esoterica. Exalted Funeral are friends of the show and your one-stop shop for all the weird role-playing material that you don't want to spend a dozen different international shipping fees to get. Check them out today and let them know that we sent you. And I am wearing my Exalted Funeral shirt and it looks, right now. It looks quite fetching on you, my friend. I am sad to report that I am too portly for mine. So, time to lose. <laughs> I know. I know. Dude, Daryl's let me wild. know. We got to hit the gym. Some... Let's hit the gym. Let's do it. Let's hit the gym. Slow down. Hit the gym. Let's hit the gym. All right. So, uh, <laughs> also, if you're interested in Exalted Funeral, you can always check out Bonus episode 34 with Matt Kelly and learn all about his great shop right from the horse's mouth. That's exaltedfuneral.com. All right. So, gentlemen, uh, we have gathered here today to talk about this uh, subject that is kind of like, it's something that kind of comes up in in gaming, right? And you may have heard uh, your players beef about it. Lord knows I've heard mine. I I guess, is is this a player issue? Is this a DM issue? What we're talking about is balance, all right? Game balance. So uh, what is game balance? Uh, 
is game balance important to pursue? Is it something that uh, we should be considering? What do you guys think? Well, you guys, you guys, uh, Adam, Adam, do you have an opening thought for us? Balance in games is one of those interesting concepts. If you're playing a game like D and D, everybody needs to feel at least equally effective in some regard as the other players. Where I think if you're playing something like a superhero RPG, it's not as important. Batman and Superman aren't really balanced. Green Lantern and Wonder Woman aren't really balanced. Um, but if I'm at in a fantasy game and there's or playing like Star Wars, for instance, and the Jedi characters are just going through or Sith characters are just going through and doing everything and I'm kind of hiding behind crates, um, th- that can be a problem. <laughs> it, just because you're kind of sitting there going, when do I get a chance to do something? And that's tough as a player, that's tough. And as a DM or a game master, to your point with Jeff, it's also tough, right? Where you're just kind of like, is this character balanced? All these things that they're pulling off and doing all these tens they're rolling. Is that breaking the game or influencing the game or swaying it in some way? Am I able to do the narrative stuff I want with this character who's essentially going through and running roughshod over everything that I've built and I'm trying to accomplish in the story. I think we've all had that moment where somebody has one-shotted a major villain or character or monster or something, and we're just kind of sitting there going, oh, how? what do I do now? How do I recover from this moment? Well, I think that there's a lot of really interesting ideas that you've kind of laced throughout that um, narrative. Um, and we should kind of unpack some of those things. So what is it that you guys are hearing? What are you guys what are you guys hearing about about balance? Like what's jumping out at you? Narrative control from the GM perspective does does balance preclude narrative control? Uh, as a GM, your job is to tell a good story and you can do that with superhero characters. You can do that with pig farmer characters. but how do you as a GM, protect the pig farmer character in the superhero character game is control important you see that you see you say narrative control and then i just hear the word control what 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 are you trying to control when you're playing the game as as a gm my first and foremost goal is to make sure that the players all of them at the table are having a good time and that means understanding what they want what they need and generally that means everybody at the table gets a spotlight and does something and impacts the story in some way so but I mean, can't you say that like the breaking that up into um, like when we're talking about even distribution, right, of spotlight time, which is like a critical idea in contemporary role playing, uh, does you have five players in front of you, do each one of them need to have 20% of spotlight time per session or do they need to have 20% of spotlight time over the course of the campaign? For me, it's neither. For me, it's as much as they want it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I have some players who come to the table and they want 40% of the spotlight. I have some players who come to the table and they're happy to be hanging out at a table eating Cheetos with friends and they want to say three words per session and they're happy to be there. So it's not necessarily about making sure that everybody gets an equal spotlight. It's the spotlight that they want and yeah. understanding what they need. I sort of think that balance is a false construct. Like the, the, the spotlight that they want is more important. Like... When you see something unbalanced, like, say, somebody that could just, like, one-shot anybody, like a character that was constructed in such a power-gamey way that it can one-shot anybody, that that's what that player wants to do. Awesome. But, like, that's... You have to kind of... It's like Buffy or, like, the Jedi. 
Like you have to have something for those other people to do that is as impactful as one-shotting bad guys. Like that's literally what vampire slayers do. Like they just kill people in one shot. You look incredulous, Adam. Every game is a horror game. And if I have someone who comes to the table (laughs) who is one-shotting everything I can possibly put, you know, if I'm trying to introduce horror into the game, like here's this monster, uh, I'm just going to go kill it. Um, that really disrupts that narrative, that tension, that build in the themes I'm trying to establish. And so you can make characters who are game breaking, who also break the narrative, break the themes that you're trying to lay down as you're going through the game. But do those games like, is that a problem with the character or is that a problem with the internal game? Because like, I mean, on some level, like for instance, in Call of Cthulhu, like mm-hmm. you ain't going to fight Cthulhu. You know, you ain't supposed to fight Cthulhu. There's right. no way you can spec your character to fight Cthulhu. You know, are you playing, the wrong, are you you playing can, the wrong game? You can create an impossible monster if you want. Yeah, I don't know. It's in Monster of the Week. You're eventually supposed to defeat the Monster of the Week, right? But it's entirely possible also to make characters in that who really disrupt the narrative and flow of control that you're trying to establish. And just kind of, and you go, oh, okay, well, they figured out the monster and its weakness, and now they're going to go kill it really prematurely into the whole story that you had tried to lay down i mean you've brought up essentially a pbta game i didn't mm-hmm. want to bring up be the guy who brings up pbta like oh let's cycle it all back to pbta which is by the way my wheelhouse so we'll come back to that later that was a great impression you just <laughs> did of me <laughs> <laughs> so uh daryl what are your thoughts on pbta elaborate so uh one of the original things that drew me to the pbta system and i, I started with dungeon world was the fact that it could not be min-maxed. It was, to me at the time, I felt like it was a perfectly balanced game because everybody had their own, every playbook had its own individual strengths without anybody having too terribly many weaknesses. And so in any given story, in any given shuffling of the playbooks, there was nobody who stood out with too much power. Uh, Which is, and I think from all of the PBTA systems I've played, the value of having playbooks as opposed to having a character sheet that you can mathematically construct, you know, it's it's more that narrative control. When you take things narrative, it can go both ways. Uh, You give power to a storytelling, talking person, human, from the human element, not from the character sheet element, as opposed to somebody who just wants to roll dice. You know, everybody's got equal chances rolling dice. See, I think you've really hit on something there, which is that, um, and this this is to me, I agree 100% that, um, I, and I know that Josh Maxwell would completely disagree, and he says, oh, uh, PBTA can be broken, and then of course he, his, 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 his uh, point, his case in point is Dungeon World, which, you know, in PBTA circles, when people talk about this, game balance, they say Dungeon World, if you're going to try and break a PBTA game, it's the one that actually has broken mechanics in it. That having been said, the reason that Dungeon World is breakable is because PBTA games are designed to simulate an experience. They're designed to simulate a genre. And what Dungeon World is simulating is the advancement that you experience as a D&D character. It's not trying to simulate um, like Tolkien-esque like fantasy adventuring. It's trying to simulate D&D leveling, right? Now, D&D leveling is intrinsically about the concept of advancement, which means like the accrual of like additional power over time. Mm-hmm. Okay. But every other PBTA game isn't about gaining extra power. It's about influencing narrative, which is why you can take a PBTA character that's being 
being played for a year and put it right next to a PBTA character that's been being played for a week, and there's not a huge power differential between these two characters because the powers on the sheet are designed to influence the narrative, not to express power. Does that make sense? It does. Can you give me an example of a PBTA game that that isn't Dungeon World that does that really well? Well, I I feel like they all do. I feel like the. I mean, look, I shouldn't say they all do. There's like a billion of them now. But like, um, if you just start really on some level looking at anything outside of uh, Dungeon World, if you look at the way moves are constructed, they are usually designed in such a way that. you take a subgenre and then you break the types of characters that exist in that subgenre down into archetypes. And then within those archetypes, which become the playbooks, each move becomes a sort of narrative twist that you would expect from that archetype inside of a character, meaning like, or inside of a narrative, meaning like, like, this is the way a character like that behaves if you were to see it in a film or if you were to see it in a novel, right? right. So they're not usually about things like, oh, well, I'm just going to crush you with dice or I'm going to I'm going to impose my will with numbers. They're about doing something the way that character would do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that 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 bears out when you look at the way that Dungeon World specifically as you advance gives you a bonus, not a large bonus, a plus one bonus, you know, right, which, right. which when you're rolling 2d6 isn't a whole heck of a lot. And it's not game changing. Um, whereas uh, something like uh, uh, Apocalypse World, Happiest Apocalypse on Earth, things like that definitely issue the bonuses for more storytelling elements give us another element of your past give us another story element to add to the mm-hmm. to the narrative things like that so do you really get more powerful as you level in D&D though or do you just get to fight bigger and newer monsters no you definitely become more it's, powerful it's like okay hey, compared yes. to compared to like Joe the barrel maker but sure that's who you're comparing but at the yourself same time against. i'm always fighting monsters who are challenge rating appropriate yes. you know and that's the thing about it is there was never a point in all of the time i played D where i was just kind of walking through like i am a literal god smiting everything in my path it was oh now i get to fight a new type of dragon or now i get to fight a new type of thing or oh now i'm in the shadow fell well i mean as opposed to the underdark aren't you aren't you just kind of shining a light on some of the like intrinsic sort of uh like game design foibles that yeah. are just like in like well caught that up was in- my intention is sure. it's it's I, I don't, yeah. there's that whole idea of it as a power fantasy, but as a power fantasy, I don't really know that it works all that well because cool. you never, I've never played in a D&D group where we were just, we're just going to fight level three monsters the entire campaign. And as you level, it's just going to get easier and easier and you're just going to be godlike by the end of it. It's just, okay, you're level one, you're going to fight level ones, level two, level twos, level three, level three. So you're telling me you've never had a session where the players went back to fight the original like village of dwarves that pissed them off in the <laughs> beginning and like decimated the village? Yeah, yeah that's See, not I a normal thing for players had, to do. I have never had, uh, well, uh, maybe just because of who I am. I've never just had an urge to do that as a player. It's always kind of, okay, now we go to the new thing. And it was the type of DMs I ran with were the guys who were just very, okay, I got to dial in all the challenge ratings mm. and I got to have the terrain laid out and I've got the map and I've got, I and I mean, without trying to take this into like a, uh, uh, exegesis on like how to run D and D. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there's a couple different ways. And one of them is this very kind of on rails thing where it's like, you're just, you're kind of walking through the misty mountains. And for some reason, the challenge rating of everything keeps going up. The further you go, that's how all of their adventure paths are written. But if you, if you ever just take a second and you, and you 
pull back from what's written on the page and mm -hmm. see in, a, in an adventure path or in a pre-published module, what right. you'll find is an ecology that doesn't make any fucking sense <laughs> because it's like the fucking player characters are walking around with like all these weapons that they could use to like either create or destroy empires. They have more gold than the king and they're like able to defeat like any other fighter in one-on-one -on -one challenge within like a thousand miles, right? Oh, believe so me. I've run Happy Time Dungeon Hour. I'm well acquainted with the so tropes of I, the genre I, making fun of I'm them. I'm just saying that like, <laughs> I'm just saying that like, any like within the ecology within the environment of dungeons and dragons the the characters are like demigods and like whether or not you emphasize what that means to be like a demigod among like you know pig farmers and barrel makers and shit like that just is like it, that's like almost like a dm thing or it really is but i mean you have a couple pathfinder books in front of oh, you I you can't indeed. tell me that they that as these books progress, that the challenge ratings don't keep pace with the oh, character. Oh, the, the, right. they, they both certainly do, right. for sure. But um, that's not the way I run them. Like, okay. I don't, I, well, that's I don't, a personal choice. Like well, yeah, it's a, it's a personal choice, but that's like, I mean, that's that's an element of my style. Like, right, but I could also style. run Dungeon World as a power fantasy, for example, if I really wanted to. Now, I don't want to, but I could. So it's it's interesting you bring that up. So so what I'm hearing on this 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 conversation track is that we've got a... A balanced system created in Dungeons and Dragons where we have the challenge rating system and that as the players advance, the challenge rating goes up. Oh, Dungeons and Dragons is not balanced. Well, uh, but but we're, we're talking about a balancing mechanic. The challenge rating system is right. to balance it, the challenge against the players. Fair yeah. point. Uh, which can be overcome by a GM who says, hey, I'm going to start you out fighting the dragon. You're going to get your butt kicked and come within a hit point of dying so that you understand that there are things out there that can kill you. And the players will spend the rest of their time kind of creeping up to the ability to get revenge or or finally deal with that high challenge rating. Right. You could but if that's, you want to. That's that's a, sure. a systemic balance that was put into the game. That's a fairly standard hero's journey as well. I mean, they didn't go kill Smaug, right? They had to go through the whole journey about a lot until they got to the end and they're like, okay, now we can kill this guy. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and we've got we've got GMs balancing the game with narrative control and the GM kind of keeping things leveled for the characters, even outside of a system that does that organically. Uh, and then we've got the players balancing their own characters against the, each other at the table. Which, I mean, I've, I, this is the cynic in me. I don't really actually ever, I've never actually encountered that. Mm -hmm. Because now, I mean, what, what to me is when you start talking about balance, right? You, you can't talk about balance without talking about the concept of optimization, right? And you know, if you hang out with players that play highly technical games, then you'll start hearing about optimization almost immediately. And if you go on any forum for, say, Pathfinder, Dungeons & Dragons, perhaps even World of Darkness... I was going to say, can, I know there were World of Darkness threads about <laughs> optimal builds. Then you can uh. start finding out what the quote-unquote optimal selection is at any given moment, right? Like, and this, and the concept of optimization is like broken down, not just across like, um, what you buy, but also when you buy it, there's, there's this, there's this, there's this time axis that has to occur. Right. And, um, for instance, and this is one of the ways that like Dungeons and Dragons itself, Pathfinder, especially I have some experience with this, um, goes astray is you have, um, you try and introduce a new character, and this to me is kind of what I was hinting at when I was talking about the PBTA stuff. Like, I feel like PBTA is very easy to introduce new characters, and sometimes people go like, "Well, well, I'll be these guys have been playing for so long, I'm gonna be really out of place." And it's like, no, you're gonna be fine because you're not trying to fight bad guys, you're not trying to like 
disarm high-level traps. You're just trying to influence the story. Your moves are designed to influence the story. Whereas, if you bring somebody into a 10th-level adventure, right, and everybody's been playing since 10, and you say, well, you're going to make a 10th-level character, right? They can sit there, they can open up the book, and they can go through all the pathways, and they can find those optimal choices Whereas maybe the players weren't making optimal choices as they, they were advancing their characters, reacting to the moment rather yeah. than yeah, they were reacting to the moment, or they were learning the system, or they were they were they were learning like what their characters did or what was fun. And so what I've encountered is you get these characters who you try and bring in later, and they're just like streamlined. They're like fucking they're like fucking stealth bombers. You know what I'm saying? I've encountered <laughs> the situation where somebody just comes with a notebook of here's all the stuff I'm gonna buy for my character and what I'm gonna buy it. I found it. <laughs> <laughs> on a forum and I already know what I want to do and you're just sitting there going that's neat uh, I mean that's that I, I've, I've played that game where you come as the 10th level character but it, the problem is like especially with some like a Pathfinder character or a D&D character there's so much unless you're inculcated in that like I felt less powerful in some ways because I what I want I'm not super into optimization so but I think that really, to me, the balance at the table comes from, is everybody having fun? If everybody's having fun, including the GM, if it's not, it's not for fun for the GM, like you mentioned, where they're one-shotting my like really creepy, awesome horror, horror creatures, that's not fun for me. So I need to adjust what I'm doing to get my fun back. It's everybody's job at the table to get the fun going for them, you know, everybody. Well, yeah, I just feel like that's a really, I mean, like, here's the thing is I agree. I'm not, dude, I'm not going to argue that. I mean, there's no way I'd be like, you're fucking wrong, bro. It's I mean, a, you're saying about, it, but it's yeah. It's about survival <laughs> the fucking fittest. I mean, that's just not, that's not how I play, but I have played in groups like that where people are like, well, I'm, I have literally had a player turn to me when I'm like, wow, uh, you, I was not ready for your character in this environment that I created for for him. And this player, who was a shit heel, by the way, turned to me and said, well, maybe you shouldn't be running this game then. I was just like, no, I should have kicked that guy out of my group immediately. But, you know, what can I say? I just have a trouble with self-esteem. Um but I mean, there are people with that attitude. They have this. They have this kind of like, 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 like you need to fucking evolve or die at the table, motherfucker. I mean, that, that's that's a real thing that you're going to encounter. Yeah, for sure. The issue though with that is if you're escalating everything to the highest powered character in the group to dial them back or give them some kind of challenge, that can very easily blow up in your face and result in the other characters Definitely. just getting wiped. Because yeah. I've been on the receiving end of that where. The GM escalate, escalate, escalated to the highest power character to give them a challenge. And then I'm trying to do something. Oh, yeah, no, you're down one shot. It's over for you. Your character's dead. Oh, Neat. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so this raises an interesting question. Should, as a GM, should you be accounting for this and trying to balance it systemically? Or is this more of a player problem scenario? Because I, 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 I feel I feel like like most most issues that come up when we talk about specific cases like this are are more of a... Uh, player dynamic problem than they are a system problem. When I think Ooh, about balance, man. I don't I don't account for player problems with balance. I I account for that's the time for an adult conversation, not a time to be like, well, the rules. Say. But I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you look at your friend and you say to them, "Yo, man, your character is a little rough compared to everybody else. Um, 
uh, I don't, uh, maybe you could like dial back enough or a little bit. And they, and they, and they look at you and they go, what? I'm supposed to take suboptimal choices. I'm supposed to t- make bad decisions. Deal with me. Yeah. They're like, they're like, <laughs> I, wh- why would you, why would you tell me that I'm not allowed to make the best decision possible for my character? Like, what do you do with that logic? So in, I actually have a real world example of this. Lay it um, on me. So running a uh, running running my Promethean game, one of my players created a build uh, that basically was a groin kicker, and it was something that I didn't know existed. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Wait a minute, what? Yeah, a so groin kicker. Groin kicker. Excuse, so explain this to me. It now? was it, there was a, there was a specific build that involved uh, maxing out on strength and taking several skills from the uh, uh, advanced armory book that essentially was a, I think it was 15 dice, kick to the groin, ignoring all armor penalties... And so there was, it was unstoppable. It was, it's <laughs> so, like, so he, he, one of the first challenges they, they faced was uh, they're, they're working their way through a lab that's full of creatures of the night. They encounter a full hulked out raging werewolf. He kicks it in the groin. And I was like, yeah, go ahead. It's a werewolf. And he says, yeah, that's okay. It's dead now. I said, what? And we did the math. And sure enough, it was, it was down. It took enough ag that it was so gone. He, he- Kicked it in its nuts yeah. so hard it died. <laughs> Were- Werewolf has nards, and it became a joke. But uh, Jesus fucking Christ! I kind of I you, called shot with the you, flares you to the head. Called uh, shot with flares to the head. That's from our that's from our old game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an example of a, a Pathfinder game where a um, where a fucking like uh, oh yeah, dude, I, so many three point yeah. five Pathfinder games. This was the, 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 that that system was endemic with them. But anyway, you were you were saying, so 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 with this player, um, it really this this had been an issue in a previous game we played where he did the same thing with archery. That caught me off guard, <laughs> uh, and one shot in my big bad. But I had a good narrative control over that, and I, I realized really quickly that there was going to be a problem if he was going to one shot every challenge physically. And part of me said, as a GM, I should fix this by creating challenges that can't be solved by kicking. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. And that was that was it worked for a couple of sessions, but whenever it did encounter physical challenge, he was just I'm on it, dice on the table, done. And it was really unsatisfying for everybody else. Hmm. So my players started to say, hey, could we talk about this? And so I pulled him aside and I said, hey, man, this character is a little overpowered. Uh, obviously, it's your version of fun and I appreciate that. But would you be comfortable dialing it back? And in this case, the adult conversation worked and he's like, oh, yeah, no, I just wanted to try that out. It was fantastic, but I can see how this will be problematic. So he respect his character into a super tank, which was also interesting. Um, <laughs> it's it, it just it, it kind of it but he he was he was a cool enough player that he agreed to kind of step back from the brink and say hey i wanted to try it i did it it was cool and i realized that it's going to ruin the story so let me dial it back a minute uh and then one shot at wow. another physical challenge later in the game that was also amazing but i was more prepared at that point so as a gm i tried to wrangle him narratively and i tried to wrangle him uh rules wise and neither one of those worked so we had an adult conversation and it turned out well so i can't say that it it will every time but i can say in this case i had a cool ass player yeah yeah so. uh, i can't say i've always had that mm-hmm. um I, I, I the the players that i have encountered and who have had this problem and i don't want to paint with a broad strokes here but i will um they tend to be people who are like really low on empathy i've noticed they don't seem to be able to fathom like what other people's experiences might be or um or how their experiences affect other people's experiences 
And the thing that I have heard time and time again is, it's in the book. I should be able to use it. Um, this this is this this is like a classic thing where you know you as a GM, and, we, and this kind of gets into the the well, should I attempt to wrangle these people in? Like, is there a way for me to wrangle them in? And then you you do things like you say like, oh, I'm gonna limit what books like you can be used, and you're gonna have to get GM permission. But then you've always got that one guy. Remember the fucking ghoul horse? Uh, they always have that one guy who's like showing up with like his his book and he's like pointing at this sheet. Can I just use this one thing? And if you don't take a minute and fully read it and fully <laughs> understand what it is, then all of a sudden it becomes the fucking bane of your campaign, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so at what point, like, uh, is it about rules? What point is it about story? At what point is it about empathy? Like, what do we do here? Is 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 balance even a useful concept, or should you just say, "Oh, you one shot at the fucking, you one shot at the big fucking ugly monster"? Now the game has to be about something else. Why does the game have to be about kind of this like bad dudes like walking down the street? Like, <laughs> are you bad punch- enough to rescue the president's daughter? Like, <laughs> exactly. are you bad enough for that? Like, uh, I I think that's that's actually maybe free freeing if you can if if that can become forward in your gaming if if that's your gm style is like all about combat i can definitely understand why that kind of player would be like just ruin it but we have to where that's what the whole uh, you know newer stuff is about getting in a narrative and narratives are never balanced like (laughs) i guess the thing is when it's broken, it's almost always a combat character. I've never encountered like a social broken bone. It's almost always combat. And they go through and they just murder everything they come across. Oh, the king won't give me the reward I want for rescuing the princess. I just murder him. His guards come at me. I murder all of them. And you just end up in this situation where unless I'm willing to like Grand Theft Auto it, where I just start increasing the number of stars they have and throwing more and more ridiculous stuff at them until eventually they die, um, it really does break narrative flow and and control of the game and kind of dominates the direction the game takes. And if you're okay with that, that's fine. But I, I don't want to run grand theft auto, the game. I'm not interested in that as a GM. And so if I get someone at my table, who's just, Oh yeah, my name is groin kicker one shot. And I'm here (laughs) to take out every single possible thing in our way. And that thing that you thought was scary, I just view as boring and a thing for me to kick in the groin i i really have to either to your point you know evolve or die or adapt or die and go okay well now this is the direction the game is going in or just go okay great um you killed everything that you can kill you are like the king on top of a pile of corpses so so game mechanic balancing can't take the place of session zero sitting down, asking about player expectations and making characters as a group, agreeing on a tone for the game uh, and and really explaining what everything is. Uh, one thing that I found useful in my home group was because we have a player who's really awesome with, uh, with making these characters and knows the books and knows all of the New World of Darkness stuff inside and out, uh, we had him sit down and we're like, okay, you, you put sagacity on your sheet. What does that mean? I'd never heard of that. And he explained it to us, and we all kind of agreed, that's a little overpowered that you can just, in the moment, decide that you can fly a helicopter. How many times a day can you use that? Uh, and we, we, as a group... What game was this again? That was Werewolf Forsaken. Mm. There's, there's a move called, and I don't remember which book it's in, but it's Sagacity. It basically is a, a five-dot skill that lets you know anything, uh, Matrix style. Okay. So if you need to know how to rewire a nuclear missile, you can just decide that you know that. 
it's a little op is it like spirits or, i don't, I, I, I don't even remember how matter. it was supposed to function but okay. but one of the one of the ways that we dealt with that was by coming up with an agreement ahead of time as a group you know hey i really like that you like this ability can we have this ability and place a limit on it that lets you do the cool thing but maybe doesn't break the game um and th- that happens a lot in the the chronicles of darkness new world of darkness stuff is having to say yes this is the way it was written but can we come up with an agreement on on this um and i learned this skill also from running for teenagers where they wanted to play D and and have powerful things and i was like all right sure you've got wish but you can use it once this campaign that's it that's that's all you get so use it wisely use it in the first session and it was pretty awesome um so you can try to look at it from the perspective of the game should be balanced and the mechanics will balance out to a certain point, but it's not always going to happen. And so a lot of times you have to, as a GM and as a person who is coordinating a group of people, sit down and put some limitations on the game ahead of time and discuss whether or not balance is a thing. Yeah, I think this all comes down to the uh, gamer social contract thing. I mean, which is many of these uh, uh, discussions just kind of do, you know? I mean, I hate to make it sound like there's like one answer to like every role-playing conundrum, but like I feel like largely that's kind of what it comes down to, you know? I mean, are you talking to the people you're playing with? Why are you playing with them? Now, Adam, for instance, I know that you're player group has largely been defined by your friendship group like Mm -hmm. you just you're playing with the guys who you're friends with you're not necessarily going out there and recruiting a role-playing group you're like i'm gonna role play with my friends not like i'm friends with my role players you know what i'm saying and i know that because of that you have a lot of different philosophies in your game group and sometimes those those philosophies like dramatically conflict uh I've played with some of those guys, and I know that there have been times I've been sitting there like, wow, okay, so this is all right. <laughs> but, you know, those guys, they all play together, and they love playing together, and uh, that's like the thing that they've, they've always done. They've found a way to work it out. And the people who, who don't like that style that they sort of impose, well, you know, yeah. they play other games, you know. I haven't <laughs> played with those guys in 10 years, right. you know, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 all kind of like what your priority is, and if it's like your priority to see your friends, and you're like also gonna do some D and D, then um then hey, I guess you know um balance probably is not gonna be the thing that you're most concerned with. However, when I run games, I'm like, no, I'm running this game. Who is it that wants to play? And then the people who show up at that table are gonna have to they're gonna have to take some responsibility for what they are bringing to that shared experience. You know? Yep. So, Adam, you mentioned one thing I want to kind of touch on a little bit here. You said combat games. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Combat games uh, specifically are unbalanced based on a social or mental statted character versus a character meant to do the highest DPS. A a sufficiently motivated player can turn any game into a combat game is what I have found out. I have tried to run, like, these heady... uh, thematic in your brain type of games and i have had people come to the table who are like this is my character he has an m1 garand because i found this uh merit that pairs with the stats on this and now and i'm like okay so you go and you meet the uh queen of winter and i shoot her in the head (laughs) You, you can't she's the she's the court of winter you can't i shoot her in the head 
Okay. Oh, I, I killed her. I rolled 10. So, all right, great. Well, now our body, I shoot all them in the head. <laughs> okay, you, okay, you can't do Yeah, I can because I took this other thing that lets me fire three times in a turn and the clip size on this gun is five. So I should be fine. Oh, by the way, I have a thing that lets me reload as a free action. Okay, okay so you killed the three guard. Now everyone turns to you. Anyone who gives me a weird look, I shoot in the head. You, you can't. You, okay. Well, you managed to turn this uh, party into a bloodbath. Congratulations. <laughs> remember that episode? I'm, I'm going to do the, like the lamest thing ever now. I'm going to say, remember that episode of The Office where you see Michael Scott go to his improv class and his only improv move is, I have a gun. Just freeze. Yes. Freeze FBI. <laughs> yes, and a, this. Right. Yeah. But that's the. That's and like, to your, you know, part of it is that's what the people I that i play with that's their response just we're gonna fight we're gonna fight it and that can be a challenge it can be difficult it can be super difficult to your point when you don't have that conversation up front and put the rails up of okay this is a and even if you do they may still go yeah no that sounds great a social game by the way um uh i socialize at the end of a gun (laughs) and i negotiate with a gun and uh, I flatter people with a gun. You don't have a problem with any of that, right? Yeah. And it's kind of going. Uh, <laughs> That's the classic like uh, 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 workaround, right? For the aggressive players to be like, "Oh, it's a social game. I'm gonna play a guy who's very intimidating, right? And I'm just gonna threaten to kill you all the time, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just all actually right. kill you all the time." Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> well, uh, Richard, I feel like you've been very quiet, man. You have anything you want to say? Uh, I think. I mean, that's kind of my, my, my thesis statement is kind of my entire statement. I think balance, game balance is like an impossible goal without agreements at the table. I mean, I think it's a, it's, it's somewhat of a, uh, uh, you know, false construct that we have tried to meet this video game standard of everything is completely balanced and play tested. We, n- nothing. <laughs> Adam's face is priceless. What video game is balanced? <laughs> Never mind. A lot of get video games are they they well they will shape the experience exactly to what you're doing. Well, like, I've never played a video game RPG that I would qualify as balanced, but I mean, that is another topic. We somehow sure. managed to get through this entire conversation without discussing PvP. But go ahead, Richard. right? But so I I think to kind of sum up some of my favorite points, which is it's got to be an agreement at the table. If they're psychos and don't want to make any agreements, then maybe we should have adult conversations and maybe not play with the, you know, they should be playing in a, a group that more fits their style. Like, yeah, it really depends what you want to get out of it. Right. That, For everybody. It really just depends what you want to get out of it. You know? Yeah. For sure. So that's kind of my like entire thing is like, yes, all these are, you know, like, we, we sit, uh, Daryl and I sit at lunch. We work at the same place. We sit at lunch and talk about these, uh, workshop these ideas on how to, how to deal with some of this stuff. And it's like, my, my answer is usually like, well, there's always stuff that you can't kill, like that can be just even off screen or like uh, uh, ethereally there and, and, and bring that, you know, back around. And then, yeah, eventually you might be able to kill it, but it needs to be menacing. It has to have the existential dread or otherwise you're not getting to everything as a horror game. So like, that's kind of my summation of my point. So. Absolutely. Well, I, I totally hear you. Um, I think we had a lot of great points today. Thank you, everybody, for coming down. Adam, Richard, and especially Daryl, thank you for coming down from Podcast The Reckoning. We hope you'll be on some more. 
Uh, just as we're wrapping up this evening, just want to remind you that we are sponsored by Exalted Funeral. Check them out for RPG, metal, and esoterica needs. We would like to thank our patrons over at Patreon. Check it out if you would like to join uh, patreon.com backslash fullmetalrpg. You can always reach us at our email, which is fullmetalrpgofficial at gmail.com. Come hang out on our, our Discord, yo. We got a pretty decent Discord. Uh, it's tinyurl.com uh, backslash uh, fullmetaldiscord. And then Instagram and Facebook for fullmetalrpg. Thank you once again, everybody, for coming in. I'm Brendan Carrion. Have a great night. Ah, good night. Those are forward slashes, by the way. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> Learn to internet noob. <laughs> Oh, my God.